Blog Talk Radio. Conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we are talking about healing with music and also how we can follow divine flow. The music you're listening to is by my guest today, harpist Peter Sterling, whose music touches people around the world. Many of those who listen to this music and experience it find greater peace. They have spiritual visions and even miraculous healings. Now, Peter had a series of life-altering divine encounters while he was living outdoors in the Red Rock Canyons of Sedona, Arizona. It was there that he visited the sacred vortex sites, practicing yoga and meditation and also silence. And that's when he experienced a spiritual vision of angelic beings in a heavenly choir around him. He saw himself strumming a harp and allowing divine music to flow through him. Peter followed synchronicities and a few days later picked up a Celtic harp. And ten months after that, he had his first album, Harp Magic. That album went on to be nominated for the Naird Indie Award for Best String Album of 1994. That was a national honor. And then in 2004, Peter's CD, Harp Dreams, went to number one on the NAR Top 100 radio playlist for eight weeks, making it the most played New Age music CD in the United States, Canada, and Europe. He was then nominated for Album of the Year by the same organization. And so here to tell the rest of the story is Peter Sterling. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for being here on Healing Conversation. Hi, Will. Thank you for having me. I was just realizing as you were reading my intro that um, it's been a while since I went to number one on the charts. I better get back to work on that. It's been seven or eight years. <laughs> but I, I think my new album coming out soon, I'm really excited about it. It's called The Rising Tide, and I'm excited about this new record. So good, glad to be here. Your background is so amazing, and I know there's listeners that may not have heard or experienced your music yet. Can you tell us the story of that life-altering divine encounter? What happened? Uh, in a nutshell, I, I, like many of us, I had known I was a light worker and a world server. I was here to, to serve the greater good at this time of great transformation on planet Earth. It was shown to me uh, as a young child and a teenager and and in my early 20s, I had been shown the greater vision of what's unfolding on the planet. And so I, I had a recognition that I was a light worker and I was here to be of service to this, this awakening of consciousness. So I had always endeavored to connect with my divine guidance so that I could be led to find, you know, the highest path for me in this life and how I could best serve. So... Um, in the early 1990s, following this, this inner guidance and with a quest to discover what my mission was, because I had been doing 
light work for many years, but I sensed that there was a, a mission upgrade coming for me, that there was going to be a change and there was something more for me to discover. So at the time I was living in Colorado, I was in Aspen, I was a ski instructor and I, I was a ski instructor to the stars, so to speak, and had a pretty fabulous life, but uh, I was also very spiritual at the time and uh, was in tune with my inner guidance and this guidance was telling me that there was something more for me and that it was my time as being a professional skier and, and that time my life was coming to an end. So um, one day I was up on top of the mountain in Aspen and I, I love to go up there and look out over the, the mountains and the view and the, the inspiration of that and where I would have my conversations with God. And uh, it was there I heard a voice that told me to go to Sedona because I was searching for the next place. And I had heard of Sedona as being a spiritual mecca in the desert southwest, but I'd never been there. And this was actually in, in 1989. It was just a couple years after the Harmonic Convergence of 1987, which was a worldwide uh, celebration and meditation and activation at sacred sites and places all over that was to commemorate the beginning of the last 25-year cycle of the of the Mayan calendar. And um, so um, so I heard this voice that said, go to Sedona, and I, and I took a trip there, and from the first moment I drove down Oak Creek Canyon, I was just really struck by the power and the beauty of the red rocks, and they really spoke to me, like so many of us have had that experience. And, and um, uh, I spent about three or four days there, and I knew from that time that, that I would live here. So I went back to Colorado, I packed my bags, and a couple months later I came back, I made a move by myself to Sedona, and, and um, I immediately just started to really explore the, the wilderness outback there, uh, being, being an avid outdoorsman. And uh, I love to hike by myself into the back canyons and, and just experience the energy. This was right, as I was saying, right after the harmonic convergence. So at that time, many people came to Sedona from all over the world and really activated the vortex and the sacred sites and the power spots there. So I kind of came right after that, and the, the town was literally buzzing. There was really a, a palpable energy field that you could feel very strong there as soon as you came into town and you still can but it's a little bit different now because the corporate uh influences really kind of taken over there with all the big resorts and shopping centers and all of this where back when i first came in 89 um uh there was only one traffic light in town at the y and it was a lot of people had never been to Sedona yet. It was really was just coming into the radar for all of us back then. So it was very, very sleepy, and the energy was really pristine. So that being the case, I, I feel lucky that I got to experience that before it all changed. And that's when my quest really began in earnest. And um, after I had been there a sh short time, I, I got another message to release all my material possessions and uh, get a Volkswagen camper van so that I could be completely self-sufficient. That I was going on a vision quest to discover what this inner, this mission was that I, this this impulse I felt inside, and um, and that you know spirit told me that I needed to be self-sufficient and kind of free to travel <coughs> and unencumbered by the 
traditional restraints or the restraints of traditional society. And so I did. I, I, I got rid of the majority of my possessions and um, I released them with the commitment to go into this experience knowing that I would come out of it a completely different person and that I would release my past and erase my personal history and that I would birth myself again into my more fully embodied galactic and cosmic self. And so, um, so I did and, and uh, I got the van and I retreated into the forest and I lived slept every night out in the canyons in my van and I didn't know how long this would last but it ended up going for about three years I lived in my car and it wasn't always easy um, you know I had a health club membership where I could take a shower but uh, but it allowed me to travel and just really follow my inner voice so I for that period of time I, I traveled a circuit going from Sedona to Mount Shasta to uh, Santa Fe and Aspen and just following the circle and um, ultimately what happened was though in my time in Sedona um, where I was able to uh, venture really deep into the outback and and sit in the silence for extended periods of time in my meditation and my meditations began to get deeper and deeper and more profound and and for the first time in my life you know in, in Sedona especially back in these days it was very, very easy to go in, to enter into that rarefied energy field of the vortexes and the canyons and kind of just uh, merge with kind of a void kind of energy. The stillness, the tranquility was so profound and the silence was so powerful there that you could just really into it, enter into a deep state of meditation very spontaneously. And so I did that and I, I did this continuously the time, plus I was I was doing shamanic work. I was working with shamanic practitioners. I was doing different, you know, kind of vision quests. I was doing ceremony. Sometimes we'd use, you know, sacred medicines to expand consciousness, to open up our, our awareness to the greater dimensions, to the unseen worlds. And so I began to, I was so intrigued by my experiences that I was having. My, my third eye really began to open at this time, and I started to become a seer, uh, spelled S-E-E-R, and, you know, to be a seer, you have to really see with a third eye, because this world is full of illusion. This is kind of a temporal zone of illusory phenomena in the material realm in the third dimension, and it's very easy to get caught up in this. A lot of people think that this is the true reality, that this is the, to the totality, the absolute is here in the third dimensional reality of materiality, and, but I had known for some time that this was, I, I had always ventured to, to see beyond the veil of illusion of this world and to see what the greater reality was behind this facade. You know, like Christ spoke and he said, be in the world but not of it. And then in the, in the Vedas of India, the ancient sacred teachings, it says that this world is just illusion. It's, it's maya, you know, it's just an illusion. So... I was so intrigued by these concepts, I kept trying to see that myself, to see through the illusion, to see the illusion, and, and eventually that's what happened. And then when I was able to pierce that veil but with the third eye, opening the third eye to, be, to see, with the heart, by the way, you know, to, to, really, to really go up into the higher levels of consciousness and awareness and become a true seer, 
the heart has the mind. The third eye is kind of more of a mental concept and a, and a, and a, uh, a mental endeavor. But to, to do it with an open heart and to access, you know, the, from a place of divinity within you and access the soul and then, and then request and to uh, intend to see, become a seer, with, fueled by that divine love, then you can really be taken into, into the heavenly realms. There's a lot of people perhaps who heart is not open and they have no... Uh, intention of really opening their heart to the divinity within, but they want to be a seer. They want to see. They want power. They want to see through the illusion, but not through their heart. And that, that's when, you know, people can become manipulated and they can become seduced by the dark side, if you will, like um, um, Darth Vader, you know, perhaps. He had great powers, but, you know, like, for instance, Luke... It's, I'm using my Jedi reference now, and you know y- Yoda. They they spoke of you know the higher consciousness with the love as well and the Force. And uh, so, anyway, that was my Jedi training today. And and uh, but when I went deep deep into that silence, that's when I began to hear the heavenly music. You know, my my third eye began to open. I began to see clairvoyantly, and then in concert with that my third ear began to open, my inner ear. And, and so there is an inner ear. It's a function of the pineal gland within the brain, which is the third eye, but there's also a component in it which can access the inner sounds, of the inner plane sounds. So that began to open, so I was able to see and hear. You know, many mystic traditions from around the world speak of the inner light and sound. And I had been aware of this for a long time. Actually, my grandmother was a soul traveler. She was an adept at the spiritual science of Ekinkar, which is uh, it's a spiritual science that kind of was brought to the West in the 1950s by a man named Paul Twitchell, who, who met a, a master from the East who told him that he was given the teachings and, and his lineage by an advanced race of beings from the planet Venus. And they, they gave them this spiritual science of soul travel, Ekinkar, uh, in order to, to soul travel. So my grandmother uh, was very adept at these techniques and, and spiritual teachings. And then she started training me. I always knew there was something different about my grandmother. And then when I started to ask questions to her, uh, when I was becoming a teenager at 13, 14, then she um, knew it was time for me to be given the books and the teachings. So she started talking to me about the soul and, and the nature of different dimensions and the causal plane and the ascended masters and the angels and, and stuff. So, and she was telling me about her travels into the higher dimensions where she would, by practicing a particular meditation technique and chanting the hue which is H-U, this is the, the mantra for Ekis, and, it's, and other spiritual traditions use it too, but it's, it's called, it's H-U, it's Hu, and it's much higher frequency than the Om, and it, it opens the third eye, the higher heart and the third eye, and connects you to the soul plane, and then you can travel on that sound current out of your body, 
and you can uh, go into these higher planes. And as my grandmother told me, she would go to these uh, golden temples of wisdom on the causal plane, which are these beautiful, elaborate temples that were more etheric in nature. And there would be other souls there learning. Uh, and it was kind of a, a gateway to, you know, higher learning on the spiritual plane. So she was, she was fascinated. I was so fascinated by this as a young boy, 13, 14, hearing her stories about being able to do her meditation. She would actually just go into this little room and close her eyes, and then she would travel out of her body and go be with ascended masters and go to these temples, these glorious temples of ancient wisdom, and then come back into her body. And I was just like, wow, that sounds so cool. So I was exposed to that at a young age and very intrigued. So I became a soul traveler at a young age. She started teaching me at 14, 15, and started giving me all the techniques in the book. So I, that's when I really consciously started on my spiritual path at really about 15, right at puberty, let's say. That was my rite of passage. My grandmother was my spiritual teacher at the time, soulmate, who initiated me into the higher esoteric spiritual teachings of Akinkar and, and the teachings of the masters of the Far East and all that, and esotericism and mysticism. Join the angels and Peter Sterling for a very special online workshop on sound, music, and the Merkaba. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Featured Workshop. That's AcousticHealth.com. One quick question. Sure. When your, your grandmother was there to teach you these, mm-hmm. where were your parents? Your parents, what did they feel about this information, or did you not let them know? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't tell them. I mean, that was kind of a, a chaotic time in my life. My parents were separated, going through a divorce. Um, so my mother, my grandmother came in to be my caretaker because my mother was caught up in a very kind of, uh, you know, intense divorce battle, child custody and all this with me and my brother and uh, alimony and all that, you know. And so she, she was in her own dramas and my dad wasn't really around. And my grandmother came in to kind of take care of the kids and she was the one who tucked me into bed a lot, especially when I was young. And um, but the parents didn't really know much about this side um, of me, and 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 I and I'll backtrack a little. This is such an interesting story. This is going to be in my book, my forthcoming book called "Hearing the Angels Sing," which I'm just finishing up now. The final epilogue to it. I've been working on it for about two years with a brilliant editor, and we've got it in its final uh, draft now, which is very exciting. But I talk a lot about my childhood and what happened to me. I. I was a classic indigo child. A lot of people have heard about indigo children. And at uh, 10 years old, I was going to school at, in Southern California, elementary school. I, I was not getting good grades, and I wasn't studying in class. The teachers were concerned. They tested my intelligence, and I tested in the top 10% of children in California. And yet I wasn't getting good grades, so they, they, they thought I was hyperactive. They sent me to a a psychologist, plus I was dyslexic, so I was writing letters backwards and all this, and they sent me to a psychologist, and I was uh, diagnosed as hyperactivity disorder, so they put me on Ritalin at 10 years old, which is a very powerful psychotropic drug, and so I started having hallucinations 
with the Ritalin um, was like taking LSD for me. It, it really, uh, I started to have very powerful experiences with the Ritalin because I, I wasn't, I didn't have a problem. Um, the problem was I had too much sugar. I was eating too much sugar and I couldn't sit still before school. And, and then so they'd give me, I'd eat, I was eating like three bowls of sugar cereal in the morning and then buy a couple of candy bars on the way to school and then take Ritalin on top of that. So to create this cocktail in my brain chemistry where I started to have out-of-body experiences at a very young age. At 10 years old, I started to, to leave my body uncontrollably because of the drugs they were giving me. I would sit in class at my desk and I'd start, I would look out the window and all of a sudden my consciousness, I'd feel myself shoot out the window and then I'd be flying above the playground and I could see the other kids below me. And then I'd, I'd come home at night and watch TV. I'd be sitting, looking at the TV set, and all of a sudden I'd be sucked out of my body and the TV would appear like it's 100 yards away, like at the end of a football field. And my body would be completely paralyzed. I couldn't move. Wow. And it was terrifying as a child. And it took all my will to get myself back into my body. Wow. Um, yeah, and then at the same time I started to have these severe nightmares where I would wake up in the middle of the night and be screaming, running through the house, being chased by some sort of beings or entities or something that was coming after me, and I was sleepwalking, sleep running, and my parents would have to grab me and like, you know, my mother would have to shake me to wake me up. Peter, Peter, wake up, wake up. And here I'd be running through the house hysterically in a trance, like completely in another reality. It was, it was really strange back then. So that was kind of my you know, my background, it got, I started having multidimensional experiences and psychedelic experiences from a young age, but I know it was all perfect and really prepared me for what was to come, and, you know, right after that, then I started doing the teachings of soul travel with my grandmother, and then I, you know, and then, um, then I became more normal for a while until I got older, and then really started to explore my spirituality deeper, in my 20s, and then I ended up in Sedona and had all those experiences. The angels came, and then uh, they revealed to me that my mission was to be a channel for the heavenly music that I was hearing. You know, in the in the canyons, I started to hear the the sweet strains of the heavenly music that I had read about and heard about. All of a sudden, I was perceiving it with my inner hearing, and then I got uh, messages from the angels to just let this to travel on the sound current, to soul travel, and I. When I let go, I could just go right out of my body practicing some of these earlier techniques with the sound that I was hearing, and I was taken up into the light, into this glorious radiant light where I was surrounded by angels and this glorious heavenly music that was reverberating throughout all eternity, throughout every all of space and time. And, and they told me that what I was hearing was the song of creation, that this was the original seed sound of creation emanating from the great central sun, and, and I ended up traveling with the angels who took me there and showed me the, what's called the, the great central sun or paradise or like heaven in some realms or the throne of God, believe it or not. I was actually blessed to be able to, 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 to see this because I was knocking so hard on the door with the angels and the masters. I said, I want to see, I want to see. There's that old saying, knock and the door shall be opened. Uh, seek and ye shall find. So I knocked really hard on, on heaven's door and they opened it and they let me come in and they revealed this great vision to me and they said that I am to come back and be a channel for the heavenly music of which I was perceiving and, and the music that I was to play is 
from the harp. And at first I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I kind of resisted for a while, but the angels kept coming to me and telling me that indeed this is true and this is your destiny. And if you join with us, we'll teach you how to play. I wasn't really a musician at the time, but they said they would teach me how to play and we would work as a team to release the music. It would go out all over the world and bring healing and upliftment to souls all over the world who would, who would recognize this music as the inner music of, of the heavenly spheres, of the angelic realms, and it would touch them in their hearts and souls and remind them of home and call them home into the love, into the unified field of divine love. And so eventually I said I would do it and... The rest is history. What do you see when you are taken to the great central sun or when you're opening your third eye? And mm. how do you distinguish that from imagination? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was part of it, especially when I, when I first started to see the angels on the inner planes and have a contact with them in dialogue because we were communicating telepathically. And, um, you know, when I first started seeing them, I would come back into my body and shake my head and try to clear my mind of any self-created images in my mind. Like maybe I was hallucinating. Maybe I was making this thing all up. And um, it went like this for a while. I wasn't sure if I was fantasizing or making it up or losing my mind. It was really quite an on-the-edge experience. I, I was really on the brink of insanity, you know. Um, and uh, I thought maybe I was going mad you know, which a lot of people in, in institutions and whatnot have had spiritual openings where they've seen beings or angels and they it's just they can't handle it. Psychologically, emotionally, they can't handle it and they, they go a little bit loony. Um, but uh, so it was very much on the edge for me, but I, I just kept the angels. What they did was I was having this interplane experience with them, but then they were manifesting things in my external reality that they were showing me that they were there. Like during this time, one time in particular, when I was connecting, and the main group, I saw different types of angels, but the main ones at this time were the cherubs, the little chubby baby ones. And uh, they were really around me quite a bit. And, and so I was, you know, like wondering if this was reality or not. And one day I had camped out in a tent out in the forest in the canyons. And this one morning I, I, I rose, I opened my tent, and I kind of got out and greeted the morning sun, and I looked down on the ground right by my feet, and there was a sterling silver cherub angel pendant shooting an arrow, like right at my feet on the top of the sand. Like, and I had just been asking, like, okay, is this real? Is this real? And there's this angel pendant in the middle of nowhere, like out in the wilderness, right on top by my feet. You know, so that's the type of thing that they would do uh, to reassure me and to convince me that indeed what I was perceiving and experience was reality. You know, so many of us might have, I'll just, I'll, I'll let you speak here in just a second, but so many of us have had perhaps mystical experiences like this where our angels or guides have tried to be in touch with us and they've left little clues from us, but our egos and our minds tell us, no, that can't be real. I'm just making that up. Or that's just a coincidence. That's not, that's not real. You know, that doesn't have any meaning. And it's a shame because we discount these things, yet they're trying so hard to get a communication link with us, especially at this time of the quickening of the acceleration of this 
planetary transformation and the approach of 2012, our guides and angels are really working overtime to help us to, to get in touch with this higher divine guidance. There's many of us listening who maybe we've felt that nudge or we've seen, we've heard a voice and we've ignored it. How can we pay more attention to it? Is it the little signs? Is it, is it again, different than a louder voice that we would hear? And going with divine flow, you've been successful doing that in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I found the angels, you know, if you're talking about connecting with the angels, which is a lot of the work that I do, and for, you know, the, almost the last 20 years, I've been talking about the angels since they came to me. That was my mission. And then recently, my mission is expanded to encompass more cosmic information and more sources of cosmic and galactic intelligences. But the angels, uh, at first, when they're trying to communicate to us because or, or let us know that they're there, they, will, they, they communicate in signs and symbols and synchronicities. So, um, and I write about this in my book, the concept of synchronicities, which comes from Carl Jung, who coined the term in the 1940s, and then he started speaking about it in his lectures more openly in the 1950s. But it's, it's the concept of that there's a series of virtually unrelated random events that somehow show some sort of divine orchestration or some sort of implicate order or some sort of um, some sort of connection that beyond the logical mind, and so uh, and so this this is what I started to tune into more and more was the synchronistic events that were unfolding, and I really felt the angels and my higher self working in tandem were were helping to link me into this higher knowing, into this new uh, way of perceiving reality, perceiving events, and. So I just looked for synchronicities, and, and then um, and and also and those synchronicities could be signs or symbols, things that are left on our trail as we're on our path for spiritual awakening. Our angels and guides will will leave things along the way to trigger a response from us, like an awareness response, like oh an aha, oh, somebody's here with me, or here's another synchronicity. And so as you start to tune into that frequency. Uh, reality that synchronicity starts to increase especially when you start to work with the angels and and also it's important to talk if you really want to have a link up and a communion with the angelic the angelics um, it's important to speak with them and you can speak out loud uh, or you can just speak within your mind your inner voice and you can talk to them and just tell them that you know that uh, you want to have a relationship. You want to know that they're here. Please give me a sign. You can also pray if you're into prayer. I, I did a lot of prayer in these days and still do. And just invoking the, you know, the Holy Spirit, the divine light, the Christ consciousness, the I am presence, uh, the highest, you know, frequency of life and divinity that you connect with. Just call that forth and ask that your your angels come to you and that the relationship can be developed and nurtured and and that you want to have a link up and you speak that from your heart and they will I mean you know that's important you have to ask they won't just come in and um, you know make a connection with you unless you want them to because they respect free will we have free will here and so they're not going to act on your behalf 
necessarily unless you ask them. Now, sometimes they will intervene if there's a crisis situation like a near-death experience or something like that. They, they may try to, you know, uh, there may be a stipulation within the angelic contracts with humanity that they, they can step in. But that's touchy, too, because of karma. And so they have to be careful, you know, about how much they get involved, unless you invite them. So, so yeah, um, inviting in the meditation is, is so important because they, they also, and the meditation makes us more sensitive to energy and to movements of energy in our energy field. So, um, you know, as you, as you do your meditations and you become, we become more aware and sensitive to the subtle energies of, of this dimension and higher dimensions and within our own energy fields, we start to tune into our chakras, our energy bodies, our, our meridians, uh, subatomic level, our DNA, our atomic structure. Uh, we're, we're starting to enter into more of the quantum uh, field uh, of reality and the higher dimensional energetic fields. And then as you do that, you become sensitized to them. And then you start to perceive uh, more subtle nuances of, of movement of energy and as we do that, what happens is our brain connects neural pathways and neurocircuitry neuro and our nervous system gets more refined and our chakras start to go into a higher functioning and uh, DNA gets activated and then our perceptual faculties come online. I love to talk about the nature of reality and our, and our perceptions because uh, scientists tell us that you know, the average human is only using 2 to 3% of our brain capacity. And uh, uh, geniuses, they estimate, are using about 10% of their brain capacity. So even geniuses are not, are not accessing 90%, and that's the majority of us. So we're not using the majority of our brain capacity, plus our DNA is not activated. We're, geneticists have looked at our DNA, and they've only deciphered what about 20% of it is for. And so about 80% of it are the majority of what they call junk DNA. Like there's no use for it. They don't know what it's for. So there is a correlation between the dark matter of the brain, which is dormant, and the, and the junk DNA. And the other external correlation to that is astrophysicists who look into space with high-powered telescopes like the Hubble telescope, and they're looking into the far reaches of space, seeing uh, nebula and star clusters and distant galaxies. But they say what we're seeing with our high-powered telescopes and technology is only about 10% of what's actually there. The rest is dark matter. It's in the invisible spectrum of light. So there's a correlation, you can see, because our perceptions are only perceiving a small amount of reality. That's why even when we go about our day and we're experiencing third-dimensional reality, we're only seeing about 10% of what's actually there. There's this whole other greater reality. So that's why this is an illusion, because we're only seeing a small part of it. You know. So, But as you start to do these practices and connect then, your perceptions get expanded and you start to see and circuitry gets connected and and uh and then you can make a, a greater and more powerful link up with your angels and with your higher self ultimately ultimately the goal is not to rely on the angels but to you know the angels are here to connect us with our higher self our i am presence or our christ self um and um and that's just been the way that i've related to it and you've been able to flow in this world. You know, you lived in your car for three years, and you're able to manifest now all of your needs. Right, 
Well, it hasn't always been easy. I mean, there's been so many miracles from the very beginning. You know, I, I you know, I, the harp came so quickly, and then 10 months after getting my first harp, following the angel's guidance, I made my first recording, which uh, I called Harp Magic. And that went on to be nominated for a national award. I got worldwide distribution. And these are things that the angels said would happen, and working with them, it did come to pass. They're such powerful manifestors. I, I know that I could not have done, uh, you know, any of this without the help of my angels. I mean, I am in, in a great debt of gratitude to them for helping me because if I didn't have them, I'd probably still be searching, perhaps, or kind of wandering, kind of lost in the illusion of this world. But I feel so, so glad that they, they came and they helped get me connected. They they worked with me to help get me connected to my I am presence. And, and it's from that place which I work and I, I create from, you know. And I think it's, 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 it's about linking with the divine will. You know, it's, a lot of people talk about this, you know, doing the, the Lord's work or doing, doing, doing the will of God, if you will, or linking with the divine will. And, and this is like, it's not a casual affair to do that, to surrender your own personal egos, needs, and wants, and, and go for something higher, to be a humble servant to the light, um, and let them work through you, uh, is uh, it cha- it's a game changer, you know? Well, here you are, a, a, a ski instructor in Aspen, Colorado, and when you were told by the angels to play the harp, that would have been a big hurdle to get over. Well, it was. It was, and I, I did have some resistance. You know, I told him at first that I wanted an electric guitar, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to be a rock star, you know, uh, with the screaming groupie fans at my feet throwing their brassiers at me, you know, and that kind of thing. But no, they told me, sorry, Charlie, that's, that's not for you this lifetime. And they said, you know, there's a lot of guitar players out there, but you'll be one of the only men playing the harp. And so you're going to get a lot of attention. You're going to be really unique, and people are going to notice you. And believe me, it took a lot for me to, from the very beginning, to go out into public and play my harp. I mean, at first I was a little embarrassed because, you know, like a lot of people would come up to me, gosh, I thought only women play harp. <laughs> and I'm a very, I'm very balanced in my masculine feminine energies, and I'm a goddess worshiper, and I totally honor the feminine and love the feminine energy, and uh, I'm not macho by any means, but I, I think I do have a, a balance. I love to do masculine things. You know, I'm kind of an extreme skier and a surfer and a thrill seeker, and I love to do that and use my body in that way. It helps keep me balanced, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, they said, no, the harp is for you, this life, and uh, so I decided to do it. Join the angels and Peter Sterling for a very special online workshop on sound, music, and the Merkaba. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Featured Workshop. That's AcousticHealth.com. Now you had a synchronicity that you followed, and shortly after that, you, you found a harp. Tell us about that story when you picked up the harp. Well, you know, as soon as I said I would do it with the angels, then the synchronicities really started to increase, and the magic started to happen. 
at an accelerated pace. And within a, a week, I, I found a Celtic harp from a woman in Sedona who I knew was a harpist. And I, I met her in a parking lot one day at the health food store. I introduced myself. I said, I'm attracted to the harp. And she said, well, I just happen to have a small Celtic harp for sale. If you'd like to come to my house, you can try it out. And I did. And from the first moment I put my hands on it, I knew this was the one. I could hear the angel telling me, yes, yes, this is the harp. So I got the small harp. It had a small carrying case. It was a lap harp. And I could put it in the case, and I'd drive out in the forest in the canyons, and I'd hike away from my van down the trail with my little harp in tow over my shoulder, and I'd, I'd go hike into the forest and find a magical place that was very secluded and private and take out my magic harp and just start strumming the strings. And just a simple strumming, and all of a sudden I started to feel my hands move on the strings. Like if I totally surrendered, the angel would play through me. I later discovered that there was one angel in particular that would overshadow me or, and then eventually, as I got more comfortable with it, come into my body and play through me. This is how I learned. This is how it happened so quickly. And, I, and you know, I often tell this story and people are like, wow, that's so cool. You know, I'd like to do that. I'd like to have an angel channel through me, you know, in that way. And believe me, it was, it was at times frightening and terrifying to let such a powerful, force move through me like that. Um, it, it was so powerful that as it would happen, I would break out profusely sweating like Niagara Falls in my armpits. Tears would run from my eyes, uncontrollably water gushing from my eyes and beads of sweat on my forehead and my hands would be trembling and shaking from the energy. It was such a powerful high current of energy and I did a lot of preparatory work. You know, when I was in, the, in my van in the wilderness, preparing for this, I was doing a lot of yoga, I was fasting, I was doing a lot of chiropractic work, network chiropractic, I had about 300 sessions of network chiropractic to clear my energy field and get my skeletal structure aligned, so as I cleared my field and got my chakras balancing, my bones straight, then when I would go into the vortexes, I would just start to vibrate, it was like I became so sensitive to energy, and all of that was, was very, very important to the lead-up to when I made the communion with the angels and allowed them to channel through me. Because if I did it earlier on, my nervous system wouldn't have been refined enough uh, to handle the high-voltage energy. So, And plus, my diet changed back at that time. You know, I, I got into more into a vegetarian diet just to really, like, lighten up to just eating live and whole foods and sprouted foods and fasting and just really cleansing my body and my mind and all levels uh, to less, relieve toxins, you know, not only on the physical body, but in my emotional body, doing a lot of emotional healing and clearing, uh, recapitulating the past, going back, doing the work. You know, that's what we do when we're doing emotional healing and shamanic work. You have to go back and clear all the old imprints and, and the old, um, you know, wounds from the past that we're carrying with us still that affect us. So I had to go back and do all that, clearing it out and lightening up and then clearing like belief systems and concepts in my mental body. You work on all levels, you know, to clear. And then, then all the bodies come into a higher state of alignment and our harmonic attunement. And then what happens is, I write about this in the book, it's, a, it's called an atonement. When you, when you come into alignment with the divine, with the Christ consciousness, and, and all of your bodies and chakras are spinning in a total alignment, then you start to like vibrate faster and it's like the Holy Spirit uh, kind of touches you and you vibrate faster. It's like the angels come and they anoint you. There's an anointing 
and an atonement. In the Course in Miracles, it speaks of the atonement. And I love that. It's at-one-ment and it's at-tone-ment. Like so there's a tone, there's a sound, and it's the sound of oneness. It's the tone of oneness. So when they touch you with that frequency, that harmonic frequency, and your soul, body, soul, and mind start to vibrate at it, that's, that's the atonement. That's the at-one-ment that occurs. And that's when you link with the divine. And then from there on, you're, you're living a different life. You're living a rarefied life. You've transcended normal reality of the third-dimensional mortal man, and then you've accessed new harmonic codes of the soul and of the Christ self, of the higher self, the illuminated self, of the enlightened self, and you access immortality because you're, you're living your life from the place of the soul and not the ego. And then hopefully what happens is there's a refinement with the ego. So when you're out in the world, like Buddha in the marketplace, you're just expressing soul light to everyone who you meet. And all of your work comes into harmony and alignment with that. So, you know, that's why when people do this, and I've met so many people, then the old relationships fall away, the job falls away, the one they weren't happy with, that wasn't vibrating with their soul essence, they let it go, they take a risk, they risk it all especially now at this time. Let's say, you know, with our listeners, there's a lot of people who are questioning what to do right now, you know, who are in stuck in bad relationships that aren't happy or, you know, disharmonic, disharmonious, disharmonic relationships and jobs and life situations, and they feel stuck and they feel, you know, on some level they feel this is their, they have to stay there for some karmic reason or their responsibility, but, you know, you have free will and if you want to just, go up to a higher level, uh, then you release all of that stuff, and then your new life will, will come into the divine expression and divine manifestation in a miraculous way. So many beautiful miracles of people that start to do this work and invoke this and call this forth, and then the life just moves to a whole new octave of expression, and miracles happen every day. They attract their divine partner, their soulmate, they've got love, they have right livelihood, the work that they're doing comes into alignment with their soul, and they can experience a level of comfort and prosperity. And it's not about getting rich by any means, but it's about doing the work, and then all of your needs are taken care of. You know, there's that old saying, seek ye first the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, seek ye first the queendom of heaven, and the rest shall be added unto you. So, I speak in a lot of Christian kind of words, you know, because it's just my background and I really connect with the Christ consciousness for me. But, um, you know, what a beautiful, seek ye first the kingdom and the rest will come into alignment. So that's always kind of been my orientation was to go for the light and just risk it all against all odds, against what people would say to me, ridicule, family, people trying to pull me off my path. But no, steadfast and true to the light and look what happens, you know. Not only for me, but for, for all of us that do that work. And it is, a, it is a redemptive miracle. It's a blessing. It's a promise. You know, like we're not trapped here in this uh, mundaneness of the third dimensional earthly life. We can transcend to a new level. And the promise is there. It's available for us all right now. And it's really like being born again. I mean, I feel like an evangelical preacher right now, but on some level there is, there is a rebirth that occurs. It's, that's the shamanic birth and death experience. When you go into the darkness, go into the shadow, go into the womb of the dark mother and all, all of your dark selves and you get all that gunk out 
and then you shed all that stuff and you, you're, you emerge into the light again, it's like you're a new person. You look back on that old person, many of us have this experience, it's like a completely different life. Who was that person? You know what I'm saying. So I encourage all of your listeners who are on the, got one foot out the door just to, this is your time. This is, this is the time for you, if not now, when? If not who, you know? If not you, who? And, um, you know, it's like I love that quote by uh, Wayne Dyer. Somebody, he said, you know, if you don't sing your music, who's going who's gonna to sing your music if you don't, you know? So all of us have something that wants to come out, a book or a music or a special project or a vision or a dream, and we've held back for so long, but now is the time. The energy is here. The angels are here. There's so much energy available and opportunity. The portals of cosmic light are flooding in. They're vibrating with the soul. The sun is giving us all this cosmic photonic energy with the sunspot cycle that's activating our DNA. We are being empowered in this moment to go to the next level, and I, I just encourage everybody to do it. And, and so there you have it. What is your vision in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Oh, boy. Well, that's that's a that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, I at this point, like, my orientation is just to get through, to get to 2012, because, you know, all of us are tuning into the 2012 end of the Mayan calendar, and the more that I study about it, and I do lectures and workshops on this, uh, the more that I am clear, and the angels have been telling me and the masters uh, for 25 years about 2012, I've been tuning into 25 at least 25 years since the time of harmonic convergence. So, and what have they been saying about it? Well, it's basically, it's a dimensional shift what's occurring. There's a mutation occurring in the DNA. It's a, it's, a, it's a completion of a great cycle of time. Many cycles of time are completing right now. And there's alignments coming, harmonic portals of light on the higher frequencies of light, higher dimensions are all coming into this grand synchronization, like, the clockwork of the universe is so exquisite, beyond human comprehension, the majesty and the brilliance of the creation and how it all works, that it's not random. There is a matrix. There is an orchestration. There is a force that, that you know, uh, controls and inspires all of this to unfold. And so these, this alignment and synchronicity is going to happen. It's starting already. We are in the bit and it will open at 2012 and there will be dimensional portal opening where we will be flooded with cosmic light coming from the higher dimensions and also the galactic core from the center of the Milky Way galaxy where the black hole is. There's a pulsations of gamma ray and photonic light that's moving towards us now, which is all part of this great cyclic nature. You know, we, we live in the third dimension. It's cyclic existence. This is what the Buddhists speak about. They're trying to get off the wheel of life life and death, you know, and also the, the Hindus were born on the wheel of reincarnation. And this is our chance now to get off the wheel. There's going to be portals opening. And on a soul level, if we align with the higher light and ask to graduate and tune into this new frequency coming in, that, that we can go to the next level. We will have a, a redemptive, transcendent, uh, rapturous experience, you know, during this great... Uh, mind-boggling climactic event in the human epoch of history right now at 2012 what we're going to see and we're already seeing it with these the increase of frequency of incredible earth changes of the tsunamis earthquakes the tornadoes i mean everything is 
accelerating now, and now we're entering into hurricane period. You know we're going to see monster hurricanes this year. I mean, last year was very quiet, but this year with the sunspot cycle, it's going to be intense. And so this is it. This is the great climax of humanity as we're traveling on the time-space continuum. It's an evolutionary journey. And, and now, like, we know it's cyclic that, indeed, Atlantis was real. We're finding the ruins of Atlantis all over the world, underwater, underwater ruins that are, uh, have been dated 15, 20, 30,000 years old now. So this is rewriting the history books. The veils of illusion are, are being parted, and collectively humanity is seeing the great reality. And, you know, all the lies are being exposed that we've been told, you know, uh, the history of, of humanity and this planet, that indeed there's been many cycles of human, uh, you know, human life here that has come and gone, that the, the flood in the Bible was real, that it really happened. You know, all these things are, you know, it's not just a myth or a story. It's really, really happening. We're starting to see this now. So we are on the precipice and on the approaching the event horizon of, of this, this great uh, completion of these great cycles and so uh, my understanding is that you know the DNA is mutating especially by the role of the Sun the Sun this very important I watch the Sun every day and you can watch it at spaceweather.com you can also if you have an iPhone I suggest getting the application 3d Sun and it it gives you direct access to the uh, um, to the helioscopic observatory which has two satellite-based telescopes that are looking at the sun, giving stereo vision, getting views of the sun like never before. And this has only been up for the last year. So I'm um, watching the sunspot cycles. And every time the sun, because, you know, right now, as we're having this conversation, we're being bathed in photonic light from the sun. Even if you're in the nighttime, there's photons passing right through, you, through us at the speed of light. They go right through the earth, right through the building, right through your body at the speed of light, photons from the sun. So all life on this planet is influenced by the quality of radiant light, of, of stellar light coming from our sun. Stellar means sun. And there's a radiance. It's a harmonic radiance of the quality of light coming from the sun. Our sun is a yellow sun. It's a yellow giant. It's a yellow dwarf is what our sun is. It's a very relatively small sun star but the quality of light coming is affecting all biological life and dna on this planet our sun is going through an evolutionary change and the quality of light is changing on the sun and that's going to affect our dna everybody's talking about this now it's, it's coming much more into the mainstream and so the, the 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 dna in our bodies is being stimulated and activated by the light codes coming traveling on photons from the sun this is that's why the, the great evolutionary impulse is 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 a broadcasting unit is the sun is our star <clears throat> because the our star is part of the greater family of stars in the milky way and all the stars in the milky way exist in this morphogenic field it's a way that they communicate as like beingness to each other and so there's an evolutionary impulse moving through the greater cosmos, and it's being, it's, a lot of it's coming from the center of our galaxy where the black hole is, what the Mayans called Unaku. And my understanding is that there's been this uh, kind of an explosion of light because black holes explode, 
and now NASA has a picture of this on the website at NASA. You can see at the Fermi telescope, they have a picture of the galactic explosion, and it shows the light spreading out through the galaxy. So it's coming our way. It's like a tidal wave of light, and this will be, we're already feeling the first waves of it and have been for the last 20 years um, or so, and that's why we've had all these kind of act global activations and people have been going through all these changes. So, um, but 2012 will be kind of the pinnacle of it, I guess, in that, in that 2012 window where the final wave will come and this will mutate our DNA. It's the final code, the final keys to unlock the codes in our DNA for those of us who want to graduate. That's why Jesus said, you know, he said, be in the world but not of it. He said, your home is not here. Your home is in the heavenly realm. And that's why, in, you know, in these other spiritual traditions, that this is not our ultimate destination here in this world. There's another higher reality, which is our ultimate destination. We're just time travelers, and we're spending some time here and, you know, clearing karma and having this experience, but it's time to go on. And our, the door is going to open and it's very important to be prepared and start to attune and align ourselves with this higher light because when the doors open and the earth changes accelerate and this world goes into what the Hopis call the great purification or what's spoken about in the Bible as Armageddon or the tribulation when the, you know, when the earthquakes and the monster storms become, they come so quickly and the, the, the plate tectonics shift around the world and, and the disasters and these catastrophes happen in such frequencies that the world cannot respond to them. You know, now they're kind of happening, kind of spaced out, so the world can deal with them. But imagine if we had two or three or four of these things happen at the same time. I mean, how, and this is what's going to happen. It's going to be overwhelming. And so, um, you know, we're going to have an opportunity, the way it's been revealed to me, to graduate and actually get off of this planet. Um, and that's what the Galactic Federation is here for, too. The UFO sightings are on the increase, um, and we're getting ready for disclosure. And for the link-up with the Galactic Federation, there's massive sightings happening all around the planet right now, if you're tuning into this, with all the strange light phenomena, like the Norway lights and the different, you know, you saw the UFO over the Dome of the Rock recently. Maybe you saw that one right around Easter time. and. And that's when, you know, they fired this thing in the Dome of the Rock, and that's the next day the Egyptian Revolution started and freedom broke out, and it's breaking out all over the Middle East. So the time is of the essence. That's what we're seeing right now is all these old structures of control and dominance are breaking down. The human spirit wants to get free right now in order to make the ascension, you know, and the powers that be are trying to clamp down as best they can, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lost cause. Join the Angels and Peter Sterling for a very special online workshop on sound, music, and the Merkaba. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Featured Workshop. That's AcousticHealth.com. that we might not even be here around on 2012. I mean, it's a different world. It's a different dimension. Do we have any idea what that looks like? Well, it has been shown to me. I, I mean, I, I'm speaking from a recent experience I had where I had a really dramatic extraterrestrial contact experience. And, and they, how long they, ago was that? This is about two years ago. 
And um, I've been in touch with the ETs from the very beginning. Even before I was connecting with the angels, I was, you know, connecting with Pleiadian energies and Arcturian energies, Syrian energies, and all that kind of stuff. And then I got into the angels and I kind of put that to the side. But in recent years, in the last couple of years, the whole Galactic Federation and Space Brothers and extraterrestrial thing has come back into the forefront of my awareness now. And because I think it is such an important step for humanity is to link with the, 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 the extraterrestrial presence which is on this planet and which has been here for a long time. And, um, and they're getting ready to link up with us. They're, they're just, it's a very delicate operation the way it was explained to me. I mean, because if, if when disclosure happens, and President Obama walks out with an alien on primetime TV to introduce it. You know how many people are going to freak out? I mean, it's going to be, it changes everything. It's a, such a game changer for reality that, I mean, if, if the ETs are here, and it, I mean, why pay your mortgage? Why? Exactly. They have free energy, and they're here, and why does anything matter? Why government matter? So it's very, very delicate, you know, how they're going to do this. So... Um, uh, and they don't want, you know, remember when H.G. Uh, Wells did War of the Worlds? And it was just a show on the radio, and people jumped out of the windows because it was so, you know. So when this starts happening, what the ETs told me is prepare for mandem, pandemonium, that it, there could be a whole breakdown in the societal structures once they come. And it, so we, we need to be prepared for that. Um, so... Um, that's a big part of it is to, to link up with the Galactic Federation again, you know, because when we get in these higher dimensions, then we, w we won't be limited by time and space and we'll have, we'll receive our circuitry will be reconnected. Our perceptions will be all activated. We'll be able to see and feel and have do time travel by location, telekinetic powers, uh, uh, telepathic powers, uh, and all this kind of stuff. So everything's going to be completely different. But what I was told was that, which is a little intense for people. This part is a little intense for people because people are kind of attached to being here on Earth. You know, we have homes, we have families, we have children. Uh, we have a nice life here, some of us, you know. Some of us are star beings, and we're, we can't wait to get off of this planet. I tell you right now, if a ship landed in my yard and said, come on board, I mean, I couldn't wait to get, to get out of here. I mean, I, I want to go back and be able to star travel and explore new worlds, you know. Uh, and go into a more refined and enlightened cultural world rather than ours, which we see so much man's inhumanity against man and all of this, what we see going on here, it just saddens our heart if you're sensitive, you know, what we see here. But what I was told is that there's a new world that we're migrating to and that this is only a stopping over point. So for those that want to go on, we will go on to a new world, which is more of a fifth dimensional world, not... People are talking about this, like perhaps the planet Earth is going to ascend itself, that all the light world will stay on the planet, and we will ascend into a new octave of light, a new dimensional experience on this planet, where there will be universal brotherly love, and you know everything will be beautiful here on this planet. But um, I, don't, I don't see it that way. I see it that like there will be a parting of the way, and, and that those souls that want to go on will go on. Those who want to stay here, there's that saying in the Bible, for instance, the meek shall inherit the earth. And what does meek mean? Those are the people that aren't very courageous. They're more subdued in their approach. You know, they're, 
kind of quiet, not as strong uh, on all levels. So for the courageous, we're going to the stars and there's going to be an opportunity to migrate because like the Hopis say, the Hopis talk about the great purification. If you study the Hopi prophecy, which I've known for years, and I just reread it again, I, I suggest uh, the listeners go online, do a Google search for Hopi prophecy, and read the Hopi prophecy. It's, 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 it's quite astounding. But what the Hopis say is that when the great purification starts and the earth changes start, which will be signaling the end of the of the fourth world. We're in the fourth world, according to the Hopi, and um, three worlds before have come and gone, which totally corresponds to other creation stories of different cultures around the world. But uh, when the great purification starts and the earth changes heart, start, the, the true Hopi will be taken off the planet in ships without wings and taken to a new world. This is the Hopi prophecy. The Hopi say they come from the Pleiades. The Hopi New Year starts when the Pleiades star cluster is directly overhead in the kiva. When they're in the ceremonial kiva underground, they look up to the hole, and when the Pleiades is directly above, that's the start of the new year because that's where they come from. That's how they orientate their whole life with the Pleiades as far as timekeeping. And so that's my sense is that there will be a migration. Some of us will activate the codes in the DNA, are doing the work and illuminate the light body. This is a lot of the work I'm doing now in my workshops is light body technologies and how to activate the codes in the DNA. And the light body is the, you know, the, the higher dimensional uh, jewel body of light that's spoken about in esoteric texts. And also in the Old Testament of the Bible, it speaks of the Merkaba, which is a Hebrew word, Merkaba, which means light spirit body. And this was the vehicle of ascension, the chariot of ascension, that ascended masters could go make their ascension, and also anybody could who knew how, how to operate the technology and activate it. So this is what's coming into focus now, is how to activate the, the Merkaba, the light body, in preparation for the dimensional shift and, and, act, you know, and traveling through the, the dimensional portals coming up in the 2012 window. Uh, and that's my work now. And that's what the angels have always told me from the beginning when they gave me the music with the harp. They said that the music had within it harmonic codes, harmonic frequencies of light that are ascension codes. And that they're here to, to it has also the unified field of divine love in it. So when you people listen to the music, they can access the unified field and they can have miraculous healings and then it aligns them to their higher truth and their divine uh, higher self so that's always for ascension in preparation for ascension that's what the music has always been for and then recently i've been traveling to the crop circles of england mm. which has been a fascinating journey and my one of my latest recordings is called uh, circles of light which i recorded in the middle of a, a couple of crop circles last summer in england so I, I you know i'm fascinated by the crop circles the sacred geometry and the the messages that are coming through the crop circles there's the quantum communication coming through the geometric patterns that the extraterrestrial, there's a few different extraterrestrial civilizations at least that are making the crop circles and they're communicating to us through them. And uh, so it's a very important conversation. I know that scientists all over the world are studying the crop circles and decoding the messages in them. And uh, this is one of their, this is one of, this is another way to access and activate and fire the codes in your DNA is from the crop circles because we know through the study of sound and frequency and patterns 
and geometry that sound creates geometric patterns. Through cymatics, when they take a speaker with a membrane, put some sand on it, and put a frequency through it, it makes a beautiful mandala pattern, a geometric pattern. When they change the frequency, it changes the pattern. So frequency creates patterns, and also patterns create frequency. It goes both ways. That's why, like when you go to the Mayan temples, for instance, they have all these geometric patterns all over it. They, they emanate, they vibrate frequencies. Um, so, and there's many cultures that do that in their artwork uh, because the energy that's carried in the, in the geometries. So, with the crop circles that are coming in now almost on a daily basis, this is the high season now for the crop circles in England. If you study them and you look at them and you don't, it bypasses the logical mind and it goes right to the subconscious. They work on a subconscious level. So, all you have to do is just meditate on them and the frequencies, the codes, will you'll have access to the codes. And so they're like patternings that are developing one after the other. It's an evolutionary kind of expression of these harmonic patterns and codes. And so uh, I highly recommend going and exploring the crop circles. There's a great movie about it right now by my friend Susanna Taylor called What on Earth, which is a great documentary about the crop circles. But you can just go to Crop Circle Connector, Dot com, which is the main resource for the crop circles worldwide, and they have all the latest circles there on Crop Circle Connector, and then you can go back through the archives and, and look at them, and they have all sorts of analysis. They have scientific analysis and people from all over the world that are contributing uh, their perceptions and analysis of the circles and what they mean, and so it's fascinating. It's fascinating and plus important, very important now. Uh, so many people think the crop circles are bogus and fake. I, I met I, there's a neighbor of mine who's going to England this summer, and I said, "Oh, you got to see the crop circles." He's like, he looked at me with a smile on his face. He's like, "Oh, come on, those things are fake, aren't they?" And no, they're not. There's been a great, you know, uh, disinformation campaign by the powers that be to make us all think that the crop circles were made by a couple of drunk Englishmen in the middle of the night with boards and ropes. But they are so far, so much beyond that. That I, I love to talk about. I could forever, but we don't have the time. Can you meditate on the images, or do you need to be in the crop circle? No, you can meditate. You don't have to go there. Of course, if you can go there, I highly recommend it. To actually get in a crop circle is an amazing experience. But um, you can receive the codes just by looking at the photographs. Just like a psychic healer can do a healing on you just with your photograph. You don't need to be in the room. They transcend, you know, you can transcend time and space. So you can access the codes just by looking at photographs on your computer, on the Internet website. You can still get it. Sure, certainly you can. Fascinating. There's a, there's a million more questions I can ask you, but I'm going to open up the line to Odette. Odette, questions for Peter. You know, oh, my God, Peter, I, I, cannot, I, I cannot begin to say this. But anyway, I do have one big question for you. How did you transcend that fear and that, that, that holding back? Because everything you have said towards the end reflected on my experience last week from a very unusual source. I went, I'm in sales for a corporate world, okay? Uh, and I don't know if you remember that or not. And I sell pretty technical stuff, right? And yeah. the facility director, we were in a meeting, and we were supposed to meet for like half hour, ended up in a three-hour meeting, him asking the rep that was with me to leave the room and cornered me in a room for two hours telling me 
I don't have enough time. I gotta get this thing that I have received from spirit. I gotta get it out there. And what you said about the time is coming when it's gonna be divided between people that are awake and the people that are not awake. But he said it, the people that would want to go, the people that want to leave. It is the most amazing thing. But I have this fear of moving forward. And he said, you know, after two hours of talk, he said that I just received a spiritual thinking because I was not listening. And I think it's just that fear of going forward and moving. And I'm just like, I have a big block and I could not get out. How did you get how did I get past my blocks about your fear of going for it? Yeah, it's kind of a fear of death and losing control. You you know, it's for me I what helped me a lot was my shamanic experiences, uh, working with the shamans and stuff who took me into kind of like oh you know, transcendent kind of death like experience and visionary states where I was able to transcend my my physicality uh, through a like a ceremony, uh, like using with the sacred medicines, perhaps that helped me to break through any kind of difficult barriers I had because the medicines are so powerful at giving us a boost and a kick in the butt to to move us past our fear to to bring us right confronting our fears, but. What happens is, like the Buddhists say, you know, like the fears are kind of like wrathful deities, and they're just a projection of the mind. They're just really an illusion. Like some people speak of fear, the acronym F-E-A-R, false evidence experienced as real, or fantasy experienced as real. So, you know, it's it's just, once again, it's it's breaking through the the illusions of our limitations and coming into our full power as a Christed being, how do we do that, you say? How do you break through? Well, oh, for me, I approach it at different levels. I do, I do things like if I need a breakthrough experience, like what I would do for you, Odette, because uh-huh. on my sense is you probably don't have a shaman who could do a shamanic journey with you right now. Uh, maybe you do. You know, that's an option. Don't. Well, I don't. Huh? I don't. Yeah. So where are you again, Odette, located? You know what? I'm in Chicago. Yeah, you're in Chicago. So what I would suggest is go skydiving or go bungee jumping, something that's going to bring you to your edge and take you past it on a physical level where you're going to have to confront your fears. Like hey, I, 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 love, did that, like I did that two weeks ago. <laughs> What did you I do? I was kind of riding on a, a zip line, and, you know, I have a fear of heights. And I just did that 10, 10 platforms. So. Great. How did, how did you feel when you did that? I felt free. I felt like I was flying. <laughs> and how did it affect your life after you did it? Did you feel more empowered as a result? Yeah, I think I feared Thinking about it, I was more fearful thinking about it than the actual experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. so that just goes to show. So that's what I do, like what I've done in the past, like on my birthday and stuff. I love to go skydiving or paragliding or ride in a glider plane and fly a glider and do an acrobatic flight up at, you know, 
14,000 feet up in the air in a plane doing loops and barrel rolls. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty advanced. I'm a real thrill seeker, but sometimes something like that that pushes us beyond our limitations on a physical level, you know, if you do that, um, or to go do a Vipassana retreat for 10 days of silence, which, you know, we're afraid to go into that because of, we might go insane if we can't talk for 10 days, or, or something like that that will really you know, have a, a transformational breakthrough experience for you. You can, you know, I, I love I love going on, working on a physical level, especially with these thrill-seeking type of things I like to do, because I know when I do that, and it affects, it makes me feel more empowered and more emboldened to, to live an empowered life. It's just one of the ways, one of the tools you can do that. How did you go out for the first time in public trying to, you know, um, bring to people, like, what it is that you were supposed to give to them. I mean, that's, to me, that's the hardest thing. It's because it's breaking me out of my comfort zone. I mean, I'm in sales. I could sell anything, but when it comes to this, it's just like a total block for me. I, I'm having a hard time getting out there and doing it. I mean, even, like, uh, you know, I teach I teach Reiki, and I've never advertised for it, and the only time that I, I do it is when people come to me and they even bring groups so that I can teach them. So I have that lot of picking it out there, and I don't know what that fear is. Well, I mean, we'd have to, you, you could trace it back. You could, you could, you could kind of do some path working and track it back to where you think the original imprint came. You know, some people do work of reliving their childhood and finding out where Im- fears were implanted in them by their their teachers or their parents or whatnot. Sometimes we do things, we take things on like our parents did or take on their fears or stuff. So I don't know, you know, you'd have to do some inner work, maybe do some deep uh, psychological, maybe a past life regression could be good for you, Odette. I know, Odette, Mm -hmm. we've been talking for many years now on and off, and I know you, my sense is you know what you need to do. Um, But I I, I could say like, Perhaps doing some regression work, might, or a rebirthing for you, a rebirthing session or a regression would be really powerful for you to take you back in time, if you will. And 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 if you did a regression, you might get in touch with, oh, maybe I was really powerful in a not in a parallel lifetime that's bleeding through right now, and I was a powerful teacher and a light worker. Yet I, I got, you know, persecuted or something in the past. So I had an experience I write about in my book that I, I did a fire walk about 20 years ago or 25 years ago with Chris Griscom at the Light Institute in New Mexico. And they asked us to get in touch with our core fears before we did the fire walk. And this would be a good thing for you as a fire walk. Maybe there's, you might search fire walk in Chicago and maybe they're, they're doing them there. You could do a fire walk or you could do a you could do a sweat lodge, you know, like the James Ray thing. Don't take it so extreme, but right. use fire and the heat. I love to get in the sauna and I, I have a membership at a health club because I have to get in that heat and just sweat it out. I know when I purge myself with the Agni in, in Hindu and in yoga traditions they call it Agni, the fire mm-hmm. yoga and purging fire through my system. It's the fire that will purge you 
and it gets you through these blocks. There's blocked energy in your field, probably in the cellular level, and, and you want to you wanna purge it with fire. That's why yoga is such a great practice if you don't practice yoga. You know, maybe, maybe try to commit to doing some yoga classes because to open the body and breathe gets your, your pranic fire through the pranayama breathing. You're increasing your vibration. You're bringing more life force in the body and pranic energy, which is life force, and purging on a cellular level. You're purging it all through your body. And it, not only the physical body, but emotional, mental, and spiritual. Yoga works on all levels to to bring you into a more alignment and clear your field and to get you connected. So that's another way. You could do yoga or you could do a fire walk or you could do a skydiving or you could do something like that. Or you could do a fast, perhaps. You could do, do uh, seven days on juices only or do a master cleanser. Because uh, when you cleanse, like with Master Cleanser, not only are you clearing the physical, but you're clearing emotional and mental stuff leaves your field, too, when you do that. So there's a lot of technologies available to, to help you break through the barrier, um, these, these fear barriers. Um, of course, fear is what holds us back from, from us, so it's so important to, to be able to move through these fears. And I just affirm for you right now, Odette, with, with everybody listening, that you will be guided, you will be led to the right resources, the people, the places, uh, and the resources and technologies you need to become more empowered to have a breakthrough experience so that you could fully embody your higher self, your I am presence, fully connected to your angels and guides and galactic friends and, and energies and consciousnesses that will propel you into a new octave of expression in your life, fully empowered to do your spiritual work and and how you can, and that it will be an elegant and a very graceful empowerment and transition for you if you just follow the signs. I know your angels are guiding you right now. Your higher self is guiding you, so keep on the lookout for signs and symbols and synchronicities and follow the path, and you will meet the right people. I know affirming with us right now, with Lauren and everybody else, we're holding you in the light and that you will be led to have a breakthrough experience and this will happen for you very, very soon. I sense within the next 72 hours that something is going to come in to your awareness that it's going to be a, a point of reference for a breakthrough for you. So let me know. Um, I will. And thank you. Let's hear from Shirley Irene. Shirley, do you have any questions for Peter Sterling? Yeah. Well, 
one of the great ways is to, you know, like in your meditation, you can, when you get into a situation like that, you can take a moment and pause and you can kind of go inside and reconnect with your inner life, with that inner light within your heart and soul. And then you can ask from that place, you can ask your higher self to reveal to you the truth of the situation. And, and so, and then stay open to receive subtle impressions or communications from your higher self or your angels who can help you to be more clear about what it is you're experiencing so that you'll be able to discern whether or not it's your truth or somebody else's truth or, or whatnot. Now, that's one way. That's a very powerful way to do it. Also, when you do it, when you get into a situation, especially if it's maybe an uncomfortable situation, whether you're with people, a person, or a group, you can also, you can, you know, if it's if it's a more challenging energy or conflictive energy, you can you can ask to um, you can visualize the violet flame, which is a pillar of violet light around you, which transmutes any negativity. See, what's going on right now also is there's a lot of karmic clearing going on with everybody as we're approaching the completion of this time cycle. So everybody's karmas and yoga, karmas and samsaras are coming up to be cleared. And it's very easy to project onto other people when all this stuff is coming up, bubbling up to the surface. And it gets triggered by our relationships, of course, and by the groups that we're interacting from the reflections that people are giving. And there's a lot of projections and reflection going on within our group dynamics with our relationships. So it's a very good question. How do I get clear on, on what's mine, what's theirs, what's my truth, what's their truth? But I think it's just important to just do your meditation to connect more and more with your I am presence, with your higher self, with your your mighty, righteous I am presence, which will always keep you connected to your higher truth. And then also to do some physical activity like yoga or vigorous physical activity to strengthen your physical body because as you you strengthen yourself physically you get stronger emotionally mentally and spiritually uh, and then if you're if you're stronger on all those levels you will be able to have a clearer perceptions and be able to discern and more accurately um, you know the truth does that make sense yeah yes it does Thank you. Good. Well, thank you, Shirley. Thank you so much for sharing. Odette, I want to thank you, too. And Peter, thank you so much. Any last comments for us as we close our healing conversation? Well, I just, during this, these miraculous times we're living in and potent times of transformation of change in everybody's lives and the increase of the intensity of the energies moving on the planet, I just want to just... Uh, say a blessing for everybody and just I hope that you know you you'll be guided and I know you'll be guided by your 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 higher guidance your your divine guidance your angels and guides that you will have a clear connection to your your inner guidance of your higher self and that you will be led to be in the right place at the right time to make all the most important and pertinent and powerful connections to help you manifest your empowered visions and dreams that will help you to bring forth your soul's gifts at this time and uh, I'm just re- 
real grateful for the time we've had to share here. Thank you, Lauren, for having me, and I wish you the best with your continuing success of your work and your radio show and everything else. So thank you, thank you, and blessings. And thank you, too, for joining us. I invite you to visit AcousticHealth.com for a special workshop with Peter Sterling and the angels to help you transform your life and follow divine flow. Visit AcousticHealth.com That's Acoustic, A-C-O-U-S-T-I-C Health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot com Click on Featured Workshops. Thank you again, and we leave you now with music by Peter Sterling.